you're listening to the Dietitian Connection Student Podcast. This podcast gives you a range of tips and tools to kickstart your career in dietetics. We delve into the experiences of student dietitians and hear from the most influential and successful dietitians in the profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Hello to all of our listeners and welcome to the Dietitian Connection Student Podcast. I'm your host Kate Agnew and I'm a student dietitian at the University of Queensland. This week's guest is Dr. Olivia Wright. Olivia is an advanced accredited practicing dietitian as well as a lecturer in nutrition and dietetics and the director of the Master of Dietetics program at the University of Queensland in Australia. Additionally, Olivia is an associate editor for the Dietitians Association of Australia National Journal, Nutrition and Dietetics. Olivia is also an honorary research fellow at the Mater Medical Research Institute and an affiliate lecturer with the Queensland Alliance for Agriculture and Food Innovation. Welcome to the show, Olivia. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Kate. It's really wonderful to have you as a guest on our show, and I am really looking forward to hearing more about your research and also your career journey so far. So thanks again for making it. I thought we could start off by discussing a little bit about your career journey, and maybe you could tell us how you got into dietetics. Sure. Well, my career has been quite diverse and challenging so far. Um, My overall career goals were to help people, um, but also to contribute to science. So During my undergraduate nutrition and dietetics degree, I became really interested in research, so I completed a PhD to develop a good foundation in further skills in the area, and my PhD focused around developing quality management tools for food services with a special target of older people living in residential aged care facilities, and I developed a passion for this area when I was on food service prac during my undergraduate degree, and I just saw how much work and opportunity there was for dietitians to have an impact in this area um, where quality of life is just so important. Then my career in research um, continued in ageing and nutrition, My research career in ageing and nutrition grew to involve working in several multidisciplinary research teams as the sole dietitian, which led me to have a strong advocacy role for the place of dietetics in caring for older people. Uh, I was involved in projects that did not originally include nutritional dietetics components, but we added them in and had some significant research and funding success over time. I really enjoy working in multidisciplinary teams and I've worked in several in practice as well. So in the food industry, while I was completing my PhD, I was designing functional foods also for my target group of older people in residential aged care, as well as the general population. And I worked with a team of food scientists, food technologists, and business managers. This further developed a range of diverse skills, for example, project management, financial management, and high-level communication skills. I've also worked alongside geriatricians in practice and contributed to the development and evaluation of telehealth methods to improve older people's access to a range of specialist healthcare services. So I've had a lot of diverse opportunities and experiences. So where I am now is as a teaching and research academic, and this latest phase of my career has been focused around teaching nutrition science, medical nutrition therapy, counselling, curriculum design and program coordination and research aimed at mediating the metabolic side effects associated with a range of chronic conditions, 
including metabolic syndrome, obesity, and the medication side effects in prostate cancer treatment. And I've worked with multidisciplinary teams once again, so scientists, exercise physiologists, endocrinologists, and occupational therapists. I spend a lot of my time teaching the next generation of dietetics professionals and designing curriculum and collaborating with industry partners. As for why I chose dietetics as a career, the simple answer to that is that I just really wanted to help people and to make them feel better and feel better about themselves. And I love science. So I saw dietetics as a really good way to achieve all of this. Oh, thanks for sharing that, Olivia. That's wonderful. And obviously, I've had the privilege of uh, being one of your students, and you definitely share your passion for dietetics with us in the classroom. So it's really wonderful to get a bit more of an insight into the reason why you are so passionate about it. So Olivia, I was wondering what a typical day looks like for you at the moment. That's a very humorous question, Kate, because there really is no typical day as such, particularly at the moment. Um, There's significant variation in the work and what happens, but I really try to compartmentalize my time and tasks. Otherwise, it can be a little overwhelming with the number of different activities and groups of people I'm interacting with on a daily basis. So typically, I divide my day in half and have half working on teaching and curriculum-related aspects and the other half working on research-related tasks. And that includes writing papers, ethics applications or research grants and meeting with postgraduate students about their projects. Depending on the teaching versus research load, I may allocate entire days to either teaching or research aspects, but I also visit study sites on a regular basis. This may be hospitals, residential aged care facilities or getting into the science labs, which is one of my favourite things to be doing. On that note, could you tell us a little bit about your current research projects? Absolutely. So my current research projects focus on a program of research in healthy ageing and mediating the metabolic side effects of chronic conditions, including obesity, metabolic syndrome, and the side effects associated with prostate cancer treatment. So most of the studies involve dietary interventions where we are trialling new approaches to treatment to enhance health, but also patient-centeredness and adherence. Some of the projects have interdisciplinary input, including exercise components. I'm really excited by the novel biomarker component of our projects and the inclusion of gene expression testing to see if our interventions influence what is going on inside the metabolic powerhouse of our cells. We are using a targeted gene expression approach, so we'll be choosing some specific genetic variances to test for and genetic pathways. We are exploring several new exciting areas of work at the moment that you will hear about in the near future. I'm also regularly involved in designing and conducting industry-driven trials, examining the effects of functional foods on various parameters, and we also have a couple of these projects on the go at the moment. Thanks, Olivia. So you were talking a little bit about the genetic side, and I understand that you are quite involved with research in particularly nutrigenomics and nutrigenetics. And I've heard that these fields are potentially the future of dietetics. I'm wondering what your thoughts are with regards to the statement. I agree totally. We are in the very early stages of this field of research, but it's going to be very important to be able to personalize our recommendations based on our client's genetic background. I think we still have a lot to learn about how to measure genetic variations, interpret genetic results, and the impact on nutrient metabolism. And we also need significantly more research on whether there is any difference in the efficacy of treatment as a result of this more personalized approach and the variables associated with that. 
a lot of nutrigenomics work has largely been animal or cell-based at this time, so we need to generate a lot more evidence of the impact of nutrients on our gene expression and to better understand how to do this both reliably and validly. So once again, the methods need development and the interpretation needs a lot of work. I think in the future we will have a collection of genes or a panel of genes that are related to particular metabolic pathways. We know they exist. Uh, I think we'll have a panel of them to use in practice uh, that can be influenced by particular dietary patterns or nutrient prescription rather than just relying on one gene in isolation. So we have a lot to do and need to collaborate well with the scientists to achieve this within the next few decades or so. It's predicted by the international genetics experts from the National Institutes of Health, uh, the NIH, that this will really be taking off in about 25 years' time. So we've got a little bit of time to get our act together, but it's certainly starting now and we need to keep moving quite quickly on this. I have to watch that space then. So Olivia, what do you find most rewarding about your current role? I genuinely feel it is an enormous privilege to be in the position to shape the future of dietetics through training new professionals as well as through the research. I really enjoy the collaboration with other dietetics researchers and those in other disciplines. The challenging and diverse nature of the work is great and I'm really meeting my career goals of helping people, students as well as the general public and following my love of science and contributing to moving the profession forward in this area. And what aspects of the role do you find most challenging and how do you overcome them? By far the most challenging aspect of the role for me is fitting everything in You need to be highly organized and driven to succeed in this area, but fortunately, I usually thrive on pressure and it motivates me to keep things in order. Another challenging aspect is the high rejection rate in academia as far as funding and publications go. You need to be very resilient and see challenges as opportunities to improve your work and yourself. And when the successful outcomes arrive, it is a wonderful experience. This, I find, is one of the hardest factors for new researchers and academics to come to grips with, but it's really important to keep at it, knowing that building a research career doesn't happen overnight. You need to build your team, your contacts, your mentors, your reputation, and this takes time. That's some really important advice to take on board. You talked a little bit about building your mentors. If you could tell us a little bit about your mentors and how they have assisted you. Sure. Well, I've been extremely fortunate to experience excellent wisdom from multiple mentors over my career. Based on the number of multidisciplinary teams I've been a part of, They've included several of my professors at the university who have guided me in both research, teaching and curriculum design and they are always very committed to introducing me to a range of research contacts who I still work with now. This is such an important aspect of academic work to have people to lead you to other people. It's who you know, not necessarily what you know that can have a big influence in some ways. My mentors have also shown me a broad range of research approaches and challenged me to do things differently to advance practice. I think one of the most important things I have learned from them is to move away from my comfort zone and to try new approaches, learn new skills and push the boundaries. And my mentors are there to help when I need them. And I really value their input and know I can talk to them anytime for reassurance. And this is essential for both career enjoyment as well as growth. I love that, being able to step out of your comfort zone so you can, I guess, achieve far beyond what you thought you would be able to. 
What are the most important things you have learned throughout your career? I know you've alluded to a few of them, but if you have any other points, maybe? Well, there's three main things. So number one is take opportunities and grasp them with both hands when they arise because you never know where they're going to lead and they may never come again. So it's important to embrace every chance that comes along. Number two, persistence pays off. So never give up on what you want to do. There's more than one way to achieve your goals and the path may not always be clear, but just keep going and believe in yourself. And number three, always have a plan and a vision and goals of where you would like to be and how you're going to get there and make sure you are passionate about what you are doing and where you're headed. Certainly in research and academia, you need a strong drive and passion about your work to be successful and to maintain your enjoyment. And I think it's really important to enjoy what you do. Thanks, Olivia. Completely agree. And that's some really fantastic um, advice that we can take from those learnings. So I understand that you supervise PhD students. So given your professional leadership and expertise, what do you think inspires them to attain excellence in their work? My PhD students, they're all highly motivated and driven to succeed and thoroughly enjoy their PhD topics. So this is really essential. You need to be very passionate about your PhD topic. Otherwise, it's three or four years of trouble and strife. They are inspired by the novelty and the science underpinning their work and the cutting-edge gene expression elements, and they're all completing projects that, if successful, will really really help a lot of people in the future and inform changes to dietetics practice. I think they gain inspiration from completing their PhD in a very high-quality research-intensive institution that provides significant resources, support and training and a very positive environment for them. And they really support each other as well. So they have regular discussions about their methods, their results, how their studies are going, as well as relaxing social interaction. So I think it's important to have this support network and not be alone during the PhD process. And obviously having a really excellent supervisor as well. (laughs) Thank you, Kate. (laughs) So what habits do you have that contribute to your success and enable you to grow and develop as both a leader and a researcher? Well, I put in a lot of time, effort and hard work across every aspect of my job and this is really important, I feel, to achieve sustained success across the diverse areas. I'm very open and committed to collaboration, both in teaching and research. I'm a strong team player and I enjoy teamwork as well as my own individual pursuits. I'm decisive and I make clear decisions when necessary and in a time-efficient manner. I don't avoid difficult issues or conversations when things are difficult, whether it's research or a challenge for a PhD student. I really think it's important to go through it calmly and focus attention on helping to find solutions and keeping everyone else reassured and calm as well. And I aim to inspire my students and colleagues with my commitment to the work, uh, my honesty, integrity, positive attitude and caring approach. And I like to maintain the skills to being a strong communicator and I aim to keep all of my team integrated and working well through open communication channels. So that's a regular habit of ours. We have regular meetings and constructive feedback sessions and I provide help and assistance when required. I really like to focus on the big picture, planning for the future, seeking out new opportunities and not getting too fussy over little issues. And I have the philosophy that my team need to be self-driven and self-motivated and I aim to enhance that as much as I can some habits that we can all learn from and possibly also relate 
them to, I guess, the goals that we want to have or the areas that we want to achieve in. So thank you so much. I hope the listeners can get as much benefit from that as I have. In your opinion, what can dietitians do to stand out from the crowd? Well, I think in order to stand out, dietitians need to be risk takers. They need to do dietetics differently um, to the run of the mill approaches that have been around for decades. And this may mean being entrepreneurial and starting their own business or adding their skills to areas where dietetics has not gone before. And it may involve utilizing a novel approach to practice or changing our consultation methods. But really, my priority is that dietitians need to emanate a strong sense of science when they discuss nutritional issues or information with clients and in the public domain. Dietetics is an art as well as a science and we need to make this very clear by the way we communicate to the public. We also need to be positive and inspirational and really demonstrate well the impact of our work. We need more data on the efficacy of our practice across different areas and not just a typical outcomes, so more person-centered and psychological outcomes are going to be increasingly important. And also additional degrees, for example, MBAs, psychology, genetics, PhDs may assist, but it really depends on what the overall goal is for their career. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Olivia. So for all of our listeners, we'll have the links to Olivia's research gate profile and a few other relevant links on our show notes. And that's available at dietitianconnection.com slash podcasts. And I just want to say, Olivia, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really fantastic and an insight into your philosophy and passion behind dietetics and just really understanding a little bit more about your career journey and uh, what's been going on in research life and academic life. So thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Kate, for the opportunity. And I really hope it's been helpful um, for the listeners. And I look forward to talking again soon. Also, a big thank you to all of our listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, could you please leave a review for us as well as pass this podcast on to your colleagues and friends? Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Dietitian Connection Student Podcast so that you can automatically download and listen to the new episode each week. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time for another fantastic episode of the Dietitian Connection Student Podcast.